It was a bit like the end of summer camp today. We all said goodbye to our favourites. Stephen Lane said eyes forward to Sam Bird one more time. And Felipe Massa said goodbye forever to Formula E. Yep, it was the last of six races in Berlin. And that means that for the last time, this is Berlin Watch. Toby Bloom, welcome back to uh, Berlin Watch. And uh, this is uh, sadly the final edition. Um, how have you been holding up there? It's it's it, um, obviously a lot of mention was made uh, in the press conference to uh, how um, how strenuous this past nine days has been on the mechanics. But uh, how has it been for media? It's been as exhausting, I guess, as for the teams. Although not as physical, but mentally, it was it were a couple of very long days. Um, because after all, our work isn't finished after the checkered flag falls. I mean, the teams also have to repair their cars after the checkered flag, of course. But it is an all-day format just as much for us as for the teams. And so it were a couple of really, really straining days for us. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired. Hmm. Yeah, um... And I, I can, I can feel the um, the adrenaline seeping out now. Um, it's, um, it, it's, it's one of those things where, um, for for the for the three weeks before the event, uh, I was psyching myself up and thinking, right, Formula E is happening. Better get some content done. Um, <laughs> but better find out who's going to be uh, virtually uh, virtually un- in the media center, and um, you know, um, uh, um, um, and find out what people are up to, and then. Um, then the race happened, and um, it was uh, it, it was just super fun for the first three days, uh, first three races, I would say. Then after I would say race three, it started to feel like okay, we're only halfway, and um, I, I I have already <laughs> exhausted my my reserves of energy, and I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm just running off uh, I, I'm 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 just run, just running off my spare battery now. So um, maybe maybe we all feel the same way. I think so too. Yeah, I, I thought after the first double header, well that's okay. I can I can manage another two of those. Um, but after after Sunday, um, I felt the exhaustion kick in, and now I'm. As much fun as it was, I'm looking forward to having a bit of a break. Only a bit of a break. Um, we're going to be missing Effie soon enough, I think. Um, three and a half months now until we proceed with, with pre-season testing for Season 7. Um, but yeah, as you say, I think we've all deserved a pizza and a beer now. And <sighs> it went by so quickly, didn't it? I mean... Yes, of course, it, it were a couple of long days, but it doesn't really feel like we saw six races in nine days. It went but by so, the, oh, yeah. It, it it went by so quickly, like all the best it, it, fleeting summer romances. It's it's definitely been a roller coaster ride for the drivers, I would say. And um, let's uh, before we get down to the really serious business. Um, Felipe Massa uh, announced, I, I felt quite classily after the race, that he was leaving. And the reason I thought that was classy is because um, 
Sir Clive Woodward, the England rugby coach, what, uh, said in his book that um, he always admired players who uh, announced they were retiring after the deal was done, after the after the last match had been played, because he felt that uh, that then took the attention off them and onto the team. And I felt that Massa was doing the same thing here in some ways. I think so too, yeah. Uh, for me, it was a bit bit of a surprise. I know a couple of people learned about it before, and Ventura even produced a whole one-minute video um, of him announcing that he's going and giving, giving a few last quotes of his time about Venturi. Um But I wasn't expecting them to be announcing it so early after the race, I think they were they were on the on the in lap. Well, yeah, it's the in lap of the race, and they tweeted that Felipe was leading the team. It wasn't a surprise to me. Um, he's had a mediocre time, I'd say, at Venturi. Certainly not where he would wanted to end up. Uh, not Venturi, but the results, yeah, not where he wanted to end up. Um, so it isn't a surprise to any of us, I guess. Um, but the timing was a bit of a surprise to me. But I have to agree, um, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's it's a class step uh, to step down after directly after the race. Um, as a team, and maybe think about communication, I don't know if I'm in the right position to criticize Ventura here, um, but I would have waited a couple of days um, just to get a few more headlines, because now we know that Felipe is leaving, Venturi can't really like drive a full-on campaign of saying goodbye to him. It's just just another side story um, in the midst of all that. Well, Felix da Costa won the championship talk and a one-two for Mercedes talk, and yeah, Venturi's yeah Massa's departure from Venturi seems like a bit of a side story, although it really shouldn't be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, um, obviously the sweepstakes for who uh, is to take Massa's seat um, has uh, already started and they, they've got a long time to decide that. So uh, uh, I, I think uh, right now, uh, now, now is obviously not the time for deep speculation, but it's fascinating some of the names people have been putting forward. Obviously, Norman Natto is their, is their reserve driver. Um but uh, obviously, Simona de Silvestro has also been their reserve driver at, um, in season five. Um, she's been driving the simulator for Porsche this season, so she's she's sharp and knows the Gen 2 car. Um, Jamie Chadwick, uh, Christoph Wozniak tells me, does not have uh, enough points for an e-license right now. But if she finishes fourth in, I think it's the Euro Open formula this season, then she'll get that. Um, um, obviously, there are other names such as, well, Alex Lim was on a temporary contract with Mahindra and he can fulfil his uh, destiny of being part of every Formula E team during his career. Um, any other names that spring to mind instantly? Well, Venturi's Young Driver Academy springs to mind. The Next Gen Program, I think, is, is the official name. Um, and part of that Next Gen Program is um, Arthur Leclerc, the brother of one driver, Charles Leclerc. Um, F2, and no, sorry, a four driver, um, I think, is he racing F3? He, he was an F4 driver a couple of years ago. I think he's driving European regional formula championships right now. Um, decent driver, actually. Um, another name is Dorian Boccolacci. 
at least he used to be part of the academy. Um, I'm just throwing names into the room here. Um, well, they yeah. once were associated with Venturi, but that doesn't mean at all that they, I don't know, have a seat at the table and uh, are kind of they are trying to get into um, the same way the Cheetah, for example, had a contract with Guan Yuzhou, the F2 driver and race winner. Uh, he used to be their reserve driver as well. So I don't know. There are a couple of things in the room. Uh, f- former French F4 driver Pierre Louis Chauvet is uh, a name that was part of the Venture Academy, and I'm d- just doing a list here. Uh, Louis, I think he's French, so Louis Iglesias and Benjamin Cartry, uh, as well as an eSport driver Maxime, Kevin, someone Le- Leon, and another name I'm I'm not. Confident enough to pronounce. Um, so there are a couple of names that are part of the Venturi Academy. When when I um, when I said any names, I didn't realize that uh, Venturi yeah, that, had that, had thirty people in their driver academy. Yeah, they have, they have a lot. Um, Michael Benya here, I think, is also part of it. He used to test for them a couple of years ago um, from Morocco. Um, I think he's even younger than I am um, by only just a couple of months, but he is, I think he's only 20 now, um, or 19 even, not sure. Um, so yeah, Venturi does have a couple of names that bring not directly to mind, but there are lists somewhere. Um, but right now, I would have to say Norman Nato, Arthur Leclerc, and possibly Michael Benya here are the ones to watch for Venturi. But we'll just have to wait for a couple of months until they announce it. I don't think we're going to be hearing um, the second driver at Venturi. Edo Matara does look set to stay with the team for next year. I guess we'll have to wait for a couple of more months until we learn about them just before pre-season testing for next year. Yeah, of course. Well, um, we we didn't know who was going to be driving for Jaguar until the week before pre-season testing. And um, uh, in season five, we didn't know who was going to be driving for Nissan until the middle of pre-season testing. So these things happen happen when they happen. But uh, um, Norman Nato, obviously, lots of experience. Uh, Artur Leclerc, um, I haven't seen him race except in virtual Formula One. So uh, I would be interested uh, to see him race. uh, But I believe you if you're telling me that uh, he's uh, he's um, no slouch um, obviously the e-license is a question with him does he does he have enough points not sure I don't think yet but there are always ways to get around that in the end you it's of course good to have enough super license points for you to earn your e-license without any exceptions from the FIA but in the past they've always been happy to make exceptions for drivers um, right. especially, so, especially drivers with famous brothers that, that's always a good thing yeah it's, it's a good thing his last name um, he's in, in fact racing in the Formula Regional European Championship um, and has won one of the three races he's competed in in 2020 so far and it's a good championship. It's like a Formula Three racing series with with good good drivers in it. Um, so he still has a lot of his career ahead of him. Um, he's he's born in October two thousand. Um, so he'd be the youngest Formula E driver ever if if that happens. I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, 
that sounds pretty good and uh, 33% winning record I'd take that um, just, just, <laughs> one, just, just one final word uh, what you say about Ben Yahir is really interesting because uh, um, obviously Formula E's never had an African driver I think um, I think it's been many years since Formula 1 had one um, there, there were lots of battles down the field but they were very polite clean battles this time unless you're John Eric Verne fighting against Alex Sims um, well, that I, maybe was one of the moves that stood out to me in, in tonight's race. Yeah, or do you mean generally in, in, in this in this season? No, 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 um, in this particular race. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, okay. Ver, Ver, Vernon Sims, um, that that was that was quite tasty. Um, I, I think I think Jeff seemed very disappointed after the race. I, I think he he genuinely felt that he would be taking that second in the championship and to to fall one point off. I think uh, that must have been crushingly disappointing, even though obviously the prize he really wanted was gone a long time ago. Yeah, he said after the race he had a horrific season and. I mean, I, I, I can't disagree. <laughs> um, the first three races of the year, they weren't great. Um, I remember the, the steering issue in, in Saudi, race one. Then I think had a battery change in race two. No points again in Chile. And then it, the season kind of picked up and the results kind of picked up. Uh, was on the podium with his, with his high fever in, in Marrakesh. And then, yeah. COVID happened, and um, then he needed some time to get up to speed. And, and uh, I mean, he won on, on Sunday, but it wasn't quite enough to, to beat Stoffel at the end. As you say, just one point, it, it's pretty much nothing. Um, but it was incredibly close even behind them. Uh, two points behind Jeff, um, Sebastian Buemi ended the, end the season. Just one more point ahead of his teammate, Oli Rowland. Uh, who ended in fifth? I mean, it's it's just too close to call. And at the end, he just missed out on on second in the championship. Um, but we all know Jeff, and he's going to fight back and is planning on on coming back even stronger than, st stronger next year. And I think we all have to yeah have to expect that Diaz to Cheetah and both their drivers will be the ones to watch going into next year as well. Well, yes. Uh, although Mercedes, uh, you have to say, um, put down a fair old marker for next season. Um, and if anyone had said to me that there would be a Mercedes 1-2 this week, I would not have suspected that would be in Formula E, would you? Uh, maybe I would have. Um, they, of course, had their... their training year with HWA last year and I expected them to at least beat Porsche um, Porsche were really surprising uh, in, in Saudi with their, their podium and it, it did look really good for them at the beginning of the year but then they kind of fell into that yeah they, they made a couple of rookie mistakes and these sort of things happen if it's your first year in Formula E and that's, that's totally okay but for Mercedes and the operation of Mercedes is run, the track set operations are run by HWA and they of course had a year's experience in FE. Um, so I was expecting them to be, yeah, maybe not fighting for the championship or ending the year in, in uh, P3 in the team's championship, but I was expecting a race win from them and it came at the very last minute, um, but I, I wasn't sure for for which driver it would be. At the end, at the end, it was Stoffel, but it might as well have been Nick De Vries. They've both been been really good this year, and 
I mean, if Mercedes join the championship, they're going to do it properly. And I'm confident that we'll see more of them next season. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a very difficult Berlin experience for Mercedes, uh, and I, I think that I think a lot of people in the team needed that final race win to kind of show show themselves more than the outside world that things are going in the right direction. Because um, I I did interview Ian James, and um, he's 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 the most level headed character you can imagine. Um, but um, I I think that there is always the temptation particularly if you're a manager of his position to look back at a season and say okay do we need to change anything and it, it almost takes a braver manager to not change anything when you haven't won so I think this will justify that all the things that he put in place before the season are still the right option going forward uh, I, I I don't see any changes obviously in the driver lineup I think they're both uh, world class um, and um as Aurora Del Ali was saying on the podcast last night, they've they they've got such resources and such a budget to to call upon that it seems almost inevitable a title's coming up at some point. Couldn't agree more. Maybe not next year. I think Tachita still is the team to beat, and a lot of teams will still have to play catch up. But having said that, the win in Berlin really helps the team start well into the off-season. And it's really important psychologically um, for them to finish the season on a high. That's all the, the teams that kind of were out of the running for the championships uh, were trying to achieve today. Uh, it, it was about trying to, I don't know, build up some form of momentum for the team working at base um, for the summer break. And, I mean, Mercedes couldn't have finished the series and the championship and the year in a better way. And that's going to push them forward all the way through the summer, through to November, December, when we proceed with, with preseason testing. Um, so it really does help a lot that they had this kind of success at the last race hmm. or in the last race. Uh, breakout star of Berlin, I would say, has been René Rast. Uh, he's really come to the fore uh, in this week's two races. Uh, I, there was a rocky start uh, when, when he was qualifying around the back of the grid. I, I was thinking, well, maybe he's the latest person to prove that DTM experience does not transfer to Formula E, but uh, he's really got used to the car incredibly quickly and I suspect, and maybe uh, you've got a different view on this, I suspect that um, being able to drive six races around the Tempelhof circuit, which he's already driven, um, in albeit in various variations, has given him something of an advantage in learning the car, which maybe he wouldn't have in Diria or Marrakesh or Santiago, but still, great work by him. And Sam Bird... Flipping heck, uh, 14th <laughs> to 5th, and uh, there were some typically Birdian manoeuvres, uh, in including one uh, late uh, dive bomb uh, with, with locked brakes. Um, and I, I think he's going to take away many memories and probably quite a few tears from Envision Virgin Racing, but... Uh, it, it made me well up a little bit, uh, just just hearing with six laps to go, Stephen Lane say, 
great work, Sam, eyes forward, because I thought, we'll never <laughs> hear that again. Yeah, unless he takes Lainey with him, just like Lotterer did, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't look like it. Uh, Jackie have their own engineers and good on them. I mean, yeah, it, it, it is... It's a bit emotional for him. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen seen the team's tweet uh, with them. I don't know, covering him in extinguisher. <laughs> what's the word? Extinguishent uh, um, <laughs> as a kind I, of send off. I, I, I guess fire extinguisher foam. Foam. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, fire extinguisher foam. Sending him off <laughs> to Jaguar and delivering him to their garage. It's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they've had such a good relationship, and obviously, after after six years, he knew the team inside out, and he still does. That kind of gives Jaguar an edge over over Virgin next year. Who knows? Um, yeah, but it's an emotional day for him, and a very very good way to end his stint and his stay with Envision Virgin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, it, it's it's funny because having read Mark Priestley's book, The Mechanic, uh, I don't know if you've read that book. It's great if you haven't. Uh, go get it. But um, he, he was a former McLaren mechanic and it sounds like a very British mechanic sort of thing to do to cover someone in foam to celebrate them leaving. It would make sense, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, makes it, sense. Um, my my favourite story from the mechanic is uh, um, for Kimmy's last race for McLaren. Um, Mark Priestley decided to um, put the so that there was this blue dye that you would use to mark parts on a car. I, I think it, it, like that aerodynamic stuff that they use in testing, and uh, apparently it stains the skin. So he put a few drops of it inside Kimmy's gloves, meaning his hands were bright blue when he. Uh, <laughs> got out of the car at the end of the race um brilliant um, yeah but um he actually had to beg for his job after that because martin whitmarsh was about to fire him (laughs) (laughs) what a brilliant story (laughs) love it um but uh so rene rast any any thoughts on his fourth place really really impressed um of course he's he's won in every car he stepped foot in and He's shown that he is. He, I mean, he's he's good for the victory for Audi next year. Um, he, of course, was kind of driving for a contract next year, um, and I think, especially over the last two days, he really showed how good he can be in Formula E if you give him just a bit more time. Um, he is able to beat Lucas Di Grassi in qualifying. He is able to beat him in the race. Um, I'm, 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 I'm really impressed by by his performances so far. Um, and I hope Audi keep him on for next year. Um, because if they do, Rene could be... I don't know. It could be a bit of, a, of an Oliver Rowland story. And look where he's now. Race winner in Formula E, fifth in the championship... And, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they keep him for next year. Yeah, Buemi and Roland um, now looks even more than it did before a world-class driver combo. Uh, I, I would not swap either of those if I were Nissan. I wouldn't swap them out either, no. Um, they've really performed well this year, um, especially the team behind them. The drivers did their job well as well, but 
the team especially having to develop an all new powertrain after their their twin motor setup being banned over the last summer uh, they, they they really started from scrap and they had nothing and built a new powertrain made it work or the drivers did make it work and then they finished the season in in second in the team's championship um Nissan have been outstanding this year um, not quite as outstanding as Diaz de Cheetah or maybe Mercedes, um, given it's their first slash second year in Formula E. Um, but the way Nissan came back from the setback of having their powertrain being banned for this year, their, their twin motor setup, um, that was really impressive. Um, in uh, sixth place was Lucas Degrassi, who uh, had a typically combative race, uh, starting 10th on the grid. Um, but the thing that struck me listening to the television commentary and uh, Degrassi's old uh, frenemy Nelson Piquet uh, as the co-commentator was, at which point is Nelson Piquet going to start charging Degrassi rent for the loft conversion inside his head? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I mean, I, I was thinking the same when I first heard Nelson join the commentary team. Obviously, Dario Franchitti had to leave for Indianapolis with the Indy 500 happening this, this weekend there. Um, and I was thinking, how long is it going to be until he... I don't know, fires a shot <laughs> in the direction of, of Lucas. It didn't take long. Um, I think yesterday when Lucas cut somewhere else off in, in, in turn one, Costa, yes. it, it was to Costa. Nelson immediately said, oh, he always does that. So it didn't take long. Um, he, he was right in saying that, though. Um, quick side note, um, Degrassi complained about it afterwards and about being penalized for that. Um, I don't understand what his problem is. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, you, you just don't, you, you, you can't pull that move off, uh, cutting someone off going into turn one like that. And he was the only one who did it. Um, all the other drivers kind of behaved going into turn one. And uh, she was I the actually, only one who could. Um, but uh, he, he managed to hold off his old adversary, Jean-Eric Verne, who uh, would have dearly loved second in the championship, but it wasn't to be. Um do you think Jeff can uh, take anything positive from this season? Um, obviously, he did claim a win, but uh, he, he said it was a nightmare. But do, do you think maybe with a little bit of distance and maybe uh, sitting on the beach uh, in Martinique or something, he might actually look up from his pina colada and think, yeah, there there is something good about this season? I mean, if you have a nightmare season and end the year in third in the Drivers' Championship, just one point behind the driver in second, it can't be that much of a nightmare, can it? Um, of course, he would have wanted to be more of, a bit more of a competition uh, for the Costa. But, I mean, regardless, um, a win, three podiums, in addition to that win, so four podiums in the end, um, he can be reasonably happy with himself, I guess. Um, although he knows, and I think we all know that there there's still some potential left um, for for better results next year. So I wouldn't say it was a nightmare season. Um, it just wasn't a great one, uh, unless the last two seasons he had. They were great seasons. Um, this one was okay, and 
being okay isn't quite enough in Formula E, um, but it wasn't an outright nightmare. Yeah, and I'm looking down the names of some of the people who were uh, finished outside the top ten. Um, Alexander Sims has had an absolutely dismal Berlin season. Uh, Max Gunter, except for his win, has been uh, completely off form. Um, BMW have got some serious thinking to do in the off season about uh, their sudden decline uh, after the shutdown, haven't they? Yeah, they do. It mostly was down to their qualifying performance, to be honest. Um, Max Günther was in, in qualifying Group 1 for most of the time in Berlin. Um, so that that doesn't help, especially on the last two circuit configurations. It seemed more than ever that track evolution was a factor. Um, usually we say it's, it's more of a factor on quote-unquote classic street circuits and Berlin certainly isn't one of them but especially over the last two days we see we've seen track evolution play a huge factor in, in qualifying and that's really where where BMW suffered um, so, so th they have to work on their qualifying pace sure um, but they weren't able to turn their <sighs> mediocre qualifying results into any meaningful results at the end as well um uh, yeah, new point in the last three races, and uh, yeah, and and new point in the in four of the last five races. <sighs> They'll yeah. have some work to do over the summer. Yeah. Now uh, we're coming to the end of uh, Berlin. Watch as we're coming to the end of those uh, six races in Berlin. Uh, I've got some typing up to do. I'm sure you have, Toby, but. Uh, um, for Formula E websites, uh, obviously uh, the off-season is a chance to do some pivoting. Now, uh, Motion E will continue. Um, I'm going to be writing articles about uh, the uh, various other forms of electric racing um, going on around the world. That There will be some Formula E stuff, of course, but... Uh, um, also, there's plenty of uh, um, pl plenty of interesting progress in the world of electric cars as well, and hoping to have some uh, road tests if the coronavirus ever abates uh, to um, to give people extra content. And of course, if you'd like um, any more, then you can uh, you can go to Motion E on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash motion eorg and uh, for as little as one dollar a month you can find a weekly newsletter and plenty of other good stuff. Um, Toby, on eformal.de, what, what do you like to do in the off-season? What, what, what kind of a content schedule do you have there? We'll be trying to cover Formula E as well as possible. Uh, if there are any news, we'll be covering everything there. Um, of course, just like you'll be doing analysis and uh, we have a driver rating that we'll be running next week and statistics uh, after the race. I'm not quite sure how we're going to be filling three and a half months with that. Um, certainly there are plenty of stories coming out of Berlin, but nobody wants to read about Berlin in, in October, I think. Um, I don't know. Uh We'll see. Uh, we're, of course, having a podcast as well. Um, that'll be going into a bit of a summer break as well, I'm afraid. Um, there, there aren't any any like concrete things planned for, for the break, but we'll, we'll be busy enough, I think. Absolutely. 
but yes, you're absolutely right. The only uh, the only thing I want to know about Berlin in October is just how big the flam is in a particular cafe or restaurant. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you are you a, are you a fan of? Uh, I think it's Flamkuchen. Are you, are you, do you do you enjoy do you enjoy the thing that you're not supposed to call a pizza? Oh, I love them. Yeah. Although, don't tell the French about it because Flamkuchen are from from the Alsace region in in the north northwest no eastern part of of France. Um, we enjoy them as well, but they're actually French. Right. Right, right. That, that's that's so interesting um, because I, I I went to uh, I, I went to a place. Uh, that this is just a brief aside because I know we, we need to go. But um, anyway, I, my mind my mind is wandering to food. Um, um, I, I was in, I was in a I was in a bar uh, quite close to the bed and breakfast where I was staying for last year's Berlin race, and um, I, I ordered a flam um, because I I'd have one in Tallinn. There's a, there's a restaurant uh, not far from me which which does them, but but there they're kind of uh, they're like a personal pizza, you know, they're about six inches in diameter. Um, uh, but so I, I was surprised to be given something as big as the table I was sitting on. You're supposed to share them uh, with the people you're sitting at the table. It's, it's, it's as much as it is just food. It's a social gathering as well, and everyone orders a flamkuchen, and you, you share pieces and slices of it, and that, that's the way it's supposed to be eaten. Well, um, I, I was, I was sitting, sitting on my own, enjoying Twitter and watching Bayern Dortmund in the Pokal final. And that's so fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, Toby, uh, thank you to you and also to Aurora and uh, to everybody else who contributed to the Berlin Watch podcast. Um, this has been a great journey. I've really enjoyed uh, doing things as Formula E media with people like yourself. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I really hope that you enjoy uh, a nice break before uh, before the close season content picks up. Thank you so much for having us on. 